Okay, I'm going to just read um, from a few scriptures here and then we can get into what I believe that God has for us today. And I'm going to read from, and first I'm going to read from Romans, the first chapter. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 says, For I, well, verse 15 it says, So as much as in me is, and he was talking about how he was filled up with Christ. He had the, the, the person and work of Christ in his position, and he was ready because he, it was now in his experience. So as much as in me is, and how much do we have in us in Christ? We have everything, simply because he is everything. Someone asked me a question on Facebook about one of the posts that I put, and it was about us being little and so the question was, well, then what, is, what do we consider to be God, big? And I put, no, he's everything. He's everything. So when we have him in a, in a proper experience based upon our position and understanding these truths, which aren't Sunday school truths, they're for adults, grown-up men and women in Christ, and so... God is teaching us like he wants to teach us truly what love truly is, what God truly is, and what it means to be truly loved by God and then to love him in obedience and return that love to him. And so he said, as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome. <laughs> Rome at this particular time was the capital of the world, the height of the capital of the world. In other words, the world and what was deemed worldly success had to do with money and power. Those were the two things, and it made, and that's how Satan's world system operates today, the prince of it in John 12, 31 and 14, 30, to which we were delivered from because we functioned in that in Ephesians 2, 1 and 2, under the, under the prince and power of the air, we were, by that very nature that we functioned in, apart from Christ, children of wrath because we were living in disobedience. And so there was disobedience there. But Paul said, for I, so he was ready to preach to those that were at Rome, <laughs> those that were in the world, he was going to preach to two classes of people, the unsaved and the Christian. The unsaved and the Christian. We need, we need truth. We need continu continual truth because of the, uh, the reality of the fact that we have the flesh in us in Romans 8 9, even though we're not of it. We have the flesh in us, but we are not of it but we can function in it even though we are of Christ. Again, just, just to repeat, we're in Romans, the first chapter, verses 15 and 16. Paul was ready to preach the gospel at Rome. Again, as I said just previously, Paul was ready to preach in Rome the gospel. Rome here, again, is, it was the capital of the world system under Satan at that time. Two things... Uh, 
were in operation through, the, through Satan and the power of his lies. It was money and power. They go together. That's how he does it. Money and power. Money and power. Two things that the man of God in Christ, when he's not attached to Christ, will get caught up in. Money and power. Those things. You can see that Jesus spoke very clearly of it in Matthew the 6th chapter. The 34 verses there, we said recently, you can see how 6, 1 and through 8, it talks about prayer. And prayer is always teaching us dependence, constantly dependence. That's why the man of God, the true, the true, which there are by the grace of God few, but they're true by his pure grace, are to not get caught up into the affairs of this world. Okay, we're not to serve tables. Acts 6 4 makes it very clear. That's what we're to do. We're to give ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. That involves a depth of labor and teaching and preaching that anything else would be an interference with it. So if you wonder why in certain issues in our lives we don't have peace, this could be the very reason for it very reason for it. Again, any man of God, any man of God in whatever place in the body of Christ in a local assembly that he functions, the enemy's going to come after him with the lie of money and power. You can be sure of it. That is his whole kingdom. And by the way, we're going to see this morning how Satan's kingdom and the insanity of it in the insanity of the world system, is divided even against itself. Why do you think it says in Revelation 12 and verse 12, he comes down in great wrath. This is tribulation period, and like some who through the pride of their flesh refuse to be taught by others things that they cannot understand themselves, now believe that the Christian goes through the tribulation period. There's no difference between Israel and the church. There's no such thing as a rapture, and boy, he even has a Bible study to teach others that, too. Isn't that interesting? It's very interesting. Well, that's why the fool in Proverbs 18, 1 and 2, he's not, he's not at the place to have understanding. He is in a place to express his own self and his own private interpretation and opinion of the Scriptures, of which there is no private interpretation in 2 Peter 1 and verse 20. And this is why uh, these mornings are for men, because it's not a Sunday school. It just, it just isn't. You know, we need to grow up. All, all of us, and I'm including myself, I have to keep, continue to qualify that, and, and I will by the grace of God. And it's true, though, too. So, Paul said, as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome, the capital of the world. Again, I said, uh, the Bible makes it clear, he's going to teach the two classes of people, the unsaved and those that are born again. The unsaved for salvation, deliverance, and for the Christian, deliverance continually through teaching, deliverance from the flesh that's no different than the way that it functions in the unsaved world. You're in the flesh and I'm in the flesh as a believer, as a man of God, I don't care what our gift is, does not matter. It doesn't matter. The gift does not work effectually. 
properly, the way that it should, in a proper image, apart from submission to Christ. Again, that starts with prayer in Matthew, the sixth chapter, and it goes right down through. People, Christians, men, especially men, especially pastors and teachers, too, who don't pray get caught up in the details of life. Everything's about them. Everything's about the details of life. (laughs) I speak that this is being spoken to me. Please know that. I speak that in trembling and weakness with you. I speak it that way. Now, verse 16, he said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. You and I, as Christians, will either be ashamed of Christ or ashamed of the world. No two ways about it. There's no two ways about it. Absolutely no two ways about it. I'm going to tell you, this morning the enemy did not want this. He didn't want it. And it wasn't an issue of me. Okay? It wasn't. He did not want this. You can be sure of it. Just like he doesn't want the books and the booklets and, and uh, messages going up online. He doesn't want any of that kind of stuff. And to do away with it, it'll get us caught up with money and power. And he wants to instruct the Christian how they should function in themselves in the shadows, you know. And what's a shadow that a Christian lives in? You can mix some darkness with light and live in the shadows. It's just enough. There's nothing wrong with doing certain things. You don't have a right to judge me. (laughs) You know, in all honesty... And God speaks to me, and he's speaking to us as men today. It's time to wake up. It's time to wake up and stop sleeping in the dust of our humanity and its lust patterns. Because we know this. We know this. And this is the reason why. Okay, this is the reason why. God, you know, I'm I'm telling you, you know. Some men... Some of us that think we can appear in such manliness can be such wimps, spiritual wimps, because we don't understand what true manly, being a man of of Christ, a man of God, truly is. Truly is. We'll function in the world. We'll function in the world. We'll determine what success is. Success is the fact that you and I are in Christ. Not another thing matters in this world system. Not another thing not one other thing. Ephesians, the fifth chapter. We'll get back to Romans 1. Ephesians, the fifth chapter. Listen. We are to prove, in verse 10, what is acceptable unto the Lord. We need to know, pastors. God, my God, if pastors don't know the difference between, and they may know it, but still trifle with it and play around with what's vile and what's precious, we need to separate the two. In in, uh, Jeremiah 15, verse 19, we need to to separate the precious from the vile. That starts inwardly. That starts with me, inwardly. Inwardly, with conviction, which is the activity of God's love through grace, by the way. That's what conviction is. Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness but rather reprove them. 
You ever try to reprove a Christian who's living in the flesh and they don't like it? For it is, in verse 12, a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. You know, we all have our little secret areas. <laughs> you know, and the secret areas that any of us, and I'm talking to us as men right now, these little secret areas, you know, they're not secret with God in Psalm 90, verse 8. They're held in the light of his countenance. The little secret sins, little secret things we don't want anyone else to know about are right in his presence. And we wonder why we don't have peace and wonder why we don't have leading. We wonder why prayers aren't answered, you know. Oh, boy. So convicting to me this, this, this morning. For it is a shame. It is a shame to even speak of those things which are done in them of se in secret. But all things that are reproved, <laughs> reproved here means discovered in the Greek. I live in the flesh as a man, Who's taught? I want I I live in the flesh. Do you think I want those areas if I ha they're not given over to God with the submission of my will? Do we think for one quick second that I want them to be discovered? No. And then when they are discovered and I still don't want to get right, I just do it right in front of everybody like it's okay. And this is who I am, and you 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 accept me and. And, and don't judge me. Well, you know, does the Bible teach us to live in self-judgment of the flesh, which we are not of? Yes. Is the judgment for who we are in Christ in Romans 8, 1? No. Should we live in self-judgment? Yeah, how? Well, it's through submission to conviction, his love. And his love is the thing that protects us. So that we don't live as men of God in the world in condemnation constantly and dealing with guilt and shame on a continual basis and considering that to be the normal Christian life. 1 Corinthians 11, 31 and 32, he, convict, he convicts us. That's the activity of his love towards us flowing through grace so that we won't be condemned with the world in our experience, which is not the equal of our position. We're going to see that this morning. But all things that are discovered are made manifest by the light. For who, whatsoever does make manifest is light. Wherefore, he says, he speaks loud and clear, Awake you that are sleeping. Awake you that are sleeping in this evil, filthy, no good for nothing, corrupt world system. Where all you think your problems are. You know, <laughs> Jesus is the answer. He has solved every single problem. You know, Paul said in 116, I am not ashamed of the gospel. But do you think if you and I live in the flesh, we won't be ashamed of it? We will be. That's right. We will be. And the reason that we will be is You know, I hear a lot about capacity too, by the way, too. I do. I hear a lot about it, capacity. Yeah, right. If areas in the flesh in certain areas aren't dealt with, yeah, okay, you can skip capacity because you will. There ain't no question about it. There's no question about it. Yes, God loves us. Yes. But how to experience it? How to do it? Do I know? Well, whatsoever does discover and make manifest is light, is it not? 
John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten, uniquely begotten, one-of-a-kind son, that whosoever would believe in him and continue there wouldn't perish, but have not everlasting, but eternal life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but they're self-condemned, aren't they? Just like the flesh is, is in us that we live in and gravitate towards and then blame others for the self-condemnation that we accept and make the other the issue of my own self-condemnation because I don't want to be responsible and accountable to God. So someone else has to take my blame. My past, how I grew up. Yeah, I know. And Jesus didn't deal with all those things. He did not. Yes, he did. For God sent not his Son into the world but to, to condemn the world, but that the world might through him might be saved, once and for all unsaved, and then Christians continually experience the salvation and deliverance that's theirs being constantly delivered from the flesh into a present reality and a proper image before God through Christ. He that believes on him is not condemned. Notice that. But he that believes not is condemned already. Would that, could that be a believer? Is my position in Christ no condemnation? Yes. But if I live in the flesh, am I going to experience condemnation? Yes. But when I don't want to be responsible and live in self-condemnation of the flesh, and I like those areas, I won't come because the light will discover it. And even when it does, I'll be so proud I could care less who sees it. Again, we're not in Sunday school. With all of its, you know, little entertainment and all these other little things that, you know, keep us comfortable in the flesh when we come to hear the word. He that believes on him is not condemned, but he that, belie he that believes not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name, the nature, character, essence of God, of the only begotten Son of God. We have an image. It's a brand new image in Christ. This is the condemnation that others that live in the flesh want to blame you for. That light is coming to the world. Light has entered into their little secret, little personal world. It's penetrated. It comes right in. It pierces and comes right in. That light has come into each and every single little world that we formed apart from God. And men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Huh. I choose evil, not God. Oh, my God. For everyone that does evil hates the light. That's right. No, it wasn't your past. It wasn't what you went through. It wasn't what someone did to you. God was using those, and he'll correct those that need to be corrected that did it the wrong way. You can be sure of that. But he used it to bring out you, those little secret strongholds that are brought out in 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, that, get in, in, that interfere with your obedience that's fulfilled in Christ. Because their deeds were evil. For everyone that hates, that, that does evil hates the light. Neither comes to the light. Oh, I don't want to come anymore. Oh, I'm not going to come anymore. But, but you know what? God is so personal. 
Oh, he's so personal. I heard that one before. Yes, sure he is. I'm sure he is. For everyone that does evil hates the light, neither comes to the light. Why? Because because his deeds will be discovered. Remember, they can be discovered, and that's my opportunity. My literal opportunity to have life. Get right, right away immediately. Get right, right away immediately. Immediately. Instantly. But no, I'm going to live feeding my flesh, and then anyone that interferes with it, I'm going to blame them. That's right. I'm going to make them accountable and responsible for what I don't want to be and what I hide from. But he that does the truth, what does that mean? That he that receives it and it does its work. What is, how am I to interpret John 3 verse 21? Do you know how to interpret it? But he that does truth comes to the light. What does that mean? Well, that's Psalm 36 verse 9. With you, O God, is the fountain of life, meaning we live at a fresh, continual supply. Not, we don't sit at the pond and suck dirty pond water in the world. With you, O God, is the fountain of life, and in your light we'll see light. You know what that means? He that does the truth comes to the light. You know what that is? That's Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Work out your own personal salvation, your whole course of Christianity. Work out your own salvation with a reverence. Why don't people come? They think more men, men, men. Why don't they come and their wives follow them like silly little girls? Why don't they come? Because they don't reverence Christ. They don't reverence the word. They think more of themselves and their backslidden state than they do of Christ and purity. And settle for a defiled conscience in Titus 1 and verse 15, because nothing is pure anymore. How can you? How can the word be pure if I live in the defilement of the flesh? In a defiled conscience, instead of a cleansed one in Hebrews 10, 1 and 2. How should I interpret, but he that does truth comes to the light? Philippians 2, 12. Work out your own salvation with a reverence and a trembling. For it is God which works in you. What he's already finished about you through Christ. Both to will, you need to submit your will, and then to do of his good pleasure. Not the world, 1 Timothy 5, 6, she that lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. Because you're not living in Christ in John 8, verse 29. He always did those things that please the Father in Romans 15 and verse 3 also. He made it crystal clear. For everyone that does evil hates the light, neither comes to the light, lest because his deeds would be discovered. But he that does truth, allows the truth to do its work in him, which is already done about him, comes to the light, just more and more, that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God, not in the flesh. Thank God. Wrought in God. Makes me think of Numbers 23, 19 to 23. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should ever change his mind. You know what the, the man of God does when he's not submitted to Christ? You know what he lives in? He lives in the flesh. And when we live in the flesh, we lie and constantly change our mind. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should ever change his mind. Has he not said, will he not do it? Do I think I can mock God? Do I think I can mock God without repercussion? Do you think I can sow to the flesh and still reap the spirit? Some think that, and they'll say, isn't God personal? 
Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8 for those verses. And then you can look at 9. Don't, don't get weary. What wears us out? <laughs> okay. For it is God which works in you, in Philippians 2.13, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. They are wrought in God. Numbers 23.19, God is not a man that he should lie or change his mind. Has he not said, will he not do it? Has he not spoken and will he not bring it to pass? Oh my, what has God wrought for us? And I should be ashamed of that? You mean I should be ashamed of my precious Savior who crucified my old nature in Romans 6, 1 through 6, paid for all my sins in Psalm 103, verse 12, removed them as far as the east is from the west, has set me up for all eternity and a glorious eternity to rule and reign with him forever and ever and ever, and I should be ashamed of that for something in this filthy, rotten, scuzzy, evil world system. I should? God forbid that in me. And I say that with me, about me, with the deepest conviction. Back to Romans, the first chapter. Back to Romans. Paul said, I'm ready to preach it. He was ready. And that meant that God had to deal with so many issues in his own life, and on a continual basis, by the way, even by the time he was chained to a Roman guard in Philippians 3, 9, and verse 10. He had to be chained. You know, we need to be chained. Our will needs to yoke up. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, we need to yoke up to him constantly in the submission of our will through obedience to, to experience the obedience of Christ in my own individuality, which no one else can replace, and yet I'll look for, and I'll try and live on the faith of someone else while I still desire the pleasures of the flesh, which makes a lot of sense. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are functioning in the capital of the world. Who's the king and capital of that world? Oh, God. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto deliverance, salvation to everyone that believes. Of course, he did it to the Jew first. He came unto his own. In John 1.11, they said no. There were a few, but mostly they said no. And then to us, the church age, the dispensation of grace, things that we truly believe that many and many that I know no longer believe, but as many as would receive him. In one twelve of John, to them he gave the power, the right and authority to become the sons of God, even to them that would continue to believe on his name. On a continual basis, his name meant his person, the work and accomplishment of Christ. His person and the work that he accomplished. For herein, and then also to the, to the Greek, all the other nations that are, that are saved. And that's the church now is made up of Jew and Gentile. That's why he's made both one in Ephesians 2, 14 and 15. He broke down the middle wall of petition, the separating law that kept the Jews separate from everyone else. But in the church age, we're all one in Ephesians 4, 4 through 6, based upon the prayer of Jesus in John 17, his high priestly prayer, the Lord's Prayer in John 17, 11, 21 and 22. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed. And if I'm living in the flesh, you think I want that revealed? You think of the insanity. I don't even know. I don't want to know who I am in Christ. And I don't want to function in that image right now, in the purity of it. I'd rather be occupied with these things. And I'm going to blame others just so I can live there. And then, you know, and then I'll, then I'll get others to come around me and comfort me where I am. Because I don't want to offend them or hurt them. <laughs> 
<sighs> God, where's the word and the thinking? God Almighty. Where's the oneness? Where's the real oneness? That's what I want to know. Where's the true oneness? Herein is the righteousness of God revealed from what? Dependence to dependence. As it is written, those that are justified, cleared of all guilt and condemnation, will experience their life by continual dependence. That's what it's saying. But then you look at 18 to 32, and those are the things, those are the things that the enemy doesn't want me to be ashamed of and to be ashamed of who I am in Christ. Look at them. You know, some want to make the lesbian and, and homosexual lifestyle, and again, I don't call them gays. Nothing gay about the lifestyle. It's filthy and despicable, just as much as gossip is, and that's right here too, by the way, and we'll categorize sin, but God doesn't. He does not do that. We'll put off certain things that he never did and that Christ dealt with on Calvary. And so you can see all of those things. Now I'm going to come back here and we see this. Now we're going to go to the second epistle of Timothy. We've said this before. God has taught this. God has taught this. And I apologize. No, I don't. That he's taught this through me to us. That the first epistle of Timothy teaches church order. How to function in a local assembly. That's what it teaches. The second epistle teaches how to function still as an individual in a local assembly in order in the midst of disorder. And the reason was, by this time, the world system, power and money, had so infiltrated the church, so infiltrated it, that where do you think we are right now in Revelations 3, 14 to 22? The Laodicean age. It was money and power. Christians today, Christians today, think of it, the big, huge edifices. Yeah, they may teach truth, but look at the gorgeous, gaudy buildings. Look at all that that they have. Is that the pattern? Honestly, is it? Is that the pattern? And think of the power. The power of all those degrees that you can earn. I'll tell you, this won't be too popular. But we're going to see what this means. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy... My dearly beloved Son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord, our true Master. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience. Oh, there's nothing that replaces the purity of a conscience. To go to bed at night and be pure. To deal with things. To deal with anger that's not of Him in Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. To deal with these issues in our lives. And to go, go to sleep pure. And to have him in Psalm 127, verses 2 and 3, to give his beloved sleep, because they sleep in the purity of a conscience, where we rest in his love. Uh, but whom I serve, whom I serve with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have, I have remembrance of you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you. 
not against you. I don't want you to be a men pleaser. I'm not against who you are in Christ. I'm not. I am not, but I'm your friend if I tell you in areas without condemning you and accusing you that you're functioning in areas of the flesh that's not who you are. That's not who you are. And there will be love and grace, but absolute conviction of refusal of those things. Greatly desiring to see you. In other words, you know, who you truly are in Christ, because I need your portion. Being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the unfeigned, unpretended, not the hypocritical, unpretended faith or dependence. Galatians 5, 6 says circumcision or uncircumcision availed doesn't mean a thing. It's a faith, that, a dependence that expresses itself through love. So to be, be dependent so God can love you in your experience. That's a bad thing. Which, which dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded that is in you also. Wherefore, I, I put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God, by the way, that you were born with. It wasn't my hands that gave it to you. It's just it was, which was my hands recognizing the gift that, you, that Christ gave you, no man. No man gave you that. Read Jeremiah 1, 5, Galatians 1, verse 15, if we need understanding on that. Which is in you by the putting on of my hands. And yes, there needs to be that, because men can have gifts, and if you praise them way too early, you cause them to function in pride as a novice in 1 Timothy 3, 6. I've made that mistake. <laughs> that thing will boom around right back at you, personally, by the way. It has and it will. And those are facts. For God, in 1.7, has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power. That's a great word. We're studying that, too. Of love and of a sound mind. Those are all things that we have in Christ. Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. You know, some Christians that live in the flesh, they're more comfortable being with unsaved worldly people and carnal Christians than they are with those that are Christ's. Huh. Oh. Huh. We have this relationship, you know. We have our little private things, you know. It has nothing to do with Christ nothing to do with the purity of the mind of Christ in 1 Corinthians 2.16. Nothing to do with it whatsoever. Not one single thing. But we make each other what we like in the flesh because we like that in other, in, 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 as believers in the flesh because we want that thing to please us. Is there, is there even any oneness in that? of a sound mind. Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. You know, Saul was a prisoner of Satan for at least 35 years of his life. 
Then he got captured by Jesus Christ. That's what he says in Ephesians 3.1 and Ephesians 4.1. Now I'm a prisoner of the Lord. I'm no longer a prisoner of the flesh, unsaved. And as a Christian, I'm no longer a prisoner. Satan is no longer, I'm no longer going to give him place. In Ephesians 4.27, to hold me in my experience as a prisoner and make me ashamed of what is mine in Christ and make me even ashamed of Christ himself, God. Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be you partaker of the afflictions. No, I don't want that. No, because, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I'd rather live in shame. I'd rather live in shame of the flesh as a Christian functioning in the world and just get by enough, you know, and play games and, you know, do all those foolish things that, that many of us, many of us, can be apt to get into. Just check Facebook if you don't believe me. <laughs> Unbelievable. Nor of me as prisoner, but be partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of Christ. And there's the only way we can do it is the power, of Christ, uh, the power of God through Christ. The only way we can do it properly is to submit our will. And then God will give us the grace, the power, the authority, the right to live and stand up as men. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Stand up, be men. Stand up and be men. Stop laying down in the dust of your humanity, making excuses, and the enemy will give you and I a thousand and one excuses in John 15, verse 22. And a cloak there is an excuse. I want to cover myself. But you have to realize that if we don't function in love, we can only function in hate. And the flesh, in Romans 8, 7, hates the you and I in Christ that's in us. (laughs) It hates God. That's Romans 8, 7. Jeez. Now, I don't want this kind of preaching and teaching. I just want to hear the lullaby. God is so personal. Hmm. God. Who has saved us, who has delivered us, and called us with what? A holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose. If you want to know what his purpose was and is, read the first three chapters of Ephesians with parts of Colossians. But according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world even began. Did you hear that? God. But now is made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and incorruptibility is the proper word, by the way, incorruptibility to light through the gospel. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of all those that are in Christ, the, unsa- the saved that could be, and the saved that are in Christ, teaching them who they are in Christ and who they're not by dealing with areas of their flesh that they don't like dealt with but shouldn't stop me one iota. I'd rather be faithful to Christ than faithful to my flesh or to the flesh of another. But do it in love. Yes, in love. Speak it in love. Ephesians 4, verse 15, and then be a joint that supplies in 16. Yes. 
For the which cause? Whose cause? My cause or the cause of Christ himself? It includes me, but whose cause is it? My own cause? Defend myself while I live in the flesh? That's my cause. Don't judge me. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Now he suffered him because he was being right with Christ. He suffered. You can, you can even be in a local assembly. And if you choose to go with Christ and suffer with him, even carnal Christians won't like you. Did you know that? Come on, you tell me. Do you think if I live in the flesh, I want anything to do with you? Do you think that? I, don't want a th- I won't want a thing to do with you because the flesh is all about me. It's all about money and power for me and the way I want to live. Just like the unsaved world. And then every excuse under the sun, why I can't come. How about what Job? Job, he didn't, Job didn't know near what you and I have in Christ. Did you know that? And yet he said in Job 23 and verse 12, I esteem his word more than my necessary food. All the details of life. Men, it's not family first. Men, it's not family first. It is Christ first. 2 Corinthians 11, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3, I would have you to know that the head of every man is who? Family? No, Christ. The head of every man is Christ. There's a God's order. That's the word, men. I can't come. I have this little family thing I got to do. Yeah, and you take them with your nonsense. And you take them away with you. Just like, just like in my area, men that left and don't come, they take their wives with them. And yes, I love them, weep for them, and pray for them. Okay? Just want, just want to qualify that, you know. But I'm going to speak the truth. Okay? I'm going to speak the truth. For these things... For this cause I suffer. It's, it's, it's great to suffer for the right cause and not the wrong one. I suffer these things. Nevertheless, in this cause of Christ, there's absolutely no shame. I want us to look at that word ashamed because we're going to look at it this morning. Ashamed. I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed. Like Paul said, Romans 1, 6, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Yeah, but if I live in the flesh, you guarantee I will be. Not only ashamed, I'll hate it. You can't serve two masters, you know, where your treasure is in Matthew 6, 21. And don't blame your family for what you do in your wrong decisions. It's you do it for yourself. You even use your family for yourself as an excuse to live in areas of the flesh. That's, that's Matthew 6, 21. And I'm broken when I say it. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What you treasure most. If your eye be single, your whole body will be filled with light. But if your eye be evil, your whole body will be filled with darkness. And if the, dark, if the light that be in you, which really isn't light, if the light that be in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? You can't serve two masters. In Matthew 6, verse 24, you can't serve God and mammon. Mammon there is literally money and power. You got that? You got that? That's that's what success for the Christian is today, by the way. 
you know, those jobs that God gave us, then we take them and put them ahead of him? <laughs> you mean to tell me God would say you need to come and hear the word and then not provide a way to do it? Are you serious? Am I serious? Are you serious? Are we being serious? Are we going to live in self-delusion and self-deception and let the flesh lead and guide us in its hatred of any purity of God? Why don't they come? Why isn't it? Even when we get together, we have this great fellowship. But why don't they consistently come? These are the reasons why. That's why. If you want to know why, this is why. Why don't we have more fellowship? Because you can't be occupied with two masters. You'll hate one and love the other, or love the other and hate the other one. <laughs> oh, you shouldn't yell. Yes, I should. Because God's yelling at me just as much in love. <laughs> Third John 2, money and power. Third John 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. I have no, this is verse 4, I have no greater joy to th than to hear that my children walk in truth. Isn't that interesting? He said, 112, for, I, for the which cause I also suffer these things, 2 Timothy 1.12 now. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. I know who I have trusted. That's, that's what trust, trust is there, by the way. Believe means trust there. I know who I'm trusting. I'm trusting in him, not riches that can be riches that can be here today and gone in a heartbeat. And, and by the way, our country, oh my God. Oh, while we sleep in our little entertainments, <laughs> our country is on a path to hell, the whole, literally. It's, uh, it's, already, it's almost there. If you, if you want to know some point, sometime we can get into the five cycles of discipline that God has for a nation that were once his client representative na nation. Does our country in any way, even Christianity in our country, represent the true Christ in all of its clarity? Very convicting. I know whom I've trusted and am persuaded that he is able to keep, to guard that which I've committed unto him against that day when I meet him face to face. You know, there's no shame in him for us in Hebrews 2.11. Because we're one, Hebrews 2.12. Both he that sanctifies and them that are sanctified are all of one. They're all of one. Wherefore, he's not ashamed to call us brethren. I don't know, is there any shame in us towards him? Oh, Lord, help, help me, I say. Hold fast the form of sound words. If you don't get sound, sound words, you're going to form God according to your own flesh. That's 2 Timothy 3, verse 5 who having a form of godliness, but they deny the power of God. The power of God in 1 Corinthians 1.24 is Christ. Christ, the power of God, the wisdom of God. You don't have any power, you don't have wisdom. You're left to your own opinions. Read the Amplified in Proverbs 18 and verse 2. Hold fast the form of sound words which you have heard of me. In faith, dependence, and the experience of a love which brings to you your proper image in Christ Jesus. 
That good thing which was committed unto you keep by the Holy Spirit which dwells in us. Okay? Now, very interesting. 2 Timothy chapter 4. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Okay, we are weak. Does God consider us to be dead? Yeah, to the flesh, but alive in Christ. So there's no judgment for us. Gonna, there's going to be a lot of manifestation at the beamer seat, and then he's going to separate those acts of the flesh from the purity of, of, of the function of the life of Christ in us that we gave our will over to. And then we're going to be clapping and saying, yay. At the beamer seat, 2 Corinthians 5, 10, and scores of others. I charge you therefore before, the, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead and his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Preach it. But, but are we ready with it? In Romans 1.15. Am I myself ready with it? Or do certain things have to be taken out? Preach the word. Be instant. In season. Out of season. Reprove. Discover things. And then rebuke. Oh God, don't do that. Because you will pay a price. Rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. It's right here. Even right here in our local assembly. They will not put up with sound doctrine. They won't do it. They have a thousand and one excuses. But after their own lusts, and I've seen this, and Satan will send them, and he can even send a carnal Christian with a measure of truth to help you stay there in the flesh. But after their own lust, will they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears? Yeah, scratch it. Mm. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and will be turned unto fables. But watch you, man of God, watch you in all things endure afflictions. I know you want to quit. I do, God. Guess what? Here's the word now. Now you get up and you go on. Okay. Okay. I'm not going to live by my feelings. I'm not going to be a little baby, a little wimp. <laughs> I'll be a little baby. I'm going to be a soldier in 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 3, and not get caught up in the affairs of this world as a Christian, as a man of God, in 2, 4 of, of 2 Timothy. God, a soldier. You know, a soldier in battle. I don't want to get shot. I'm going to hide in the foxhole where I can be comfortable and convenient. I'll let the others go out there and fight the battle. <laughs> Oh, jeez. I'm too busy, you know, celebrating, doing things, and, you know, God, whatever happened to... <sighs> Think of the time we give to, our, to, to ourselves apart from others. The time. Because we're doing it for ourselves and maybe for our wives and our family, and the time that we will give others to be one with them in the work of the gospel. Measure, measure, the, measure it. Go ahead. <laughs> It's so interesting to me. I'm like, all right, I guess so. I don't know. Watch you in all things. Do the work of an evangelist. 
Make full proof of your ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. He, he's under narrow. He knows Nero's axe is coming down on his head. And he knows this. He said, I'm ready to be offered. He's literally saying, my head's dropped off, and the whole, my whole life in Christ will be poured out like a drink offering to God through Christ. That's what he's saying here. If you, if you want to know the details uh, behind these verses, and, and forgive me and pardon me if, if I do that, by his pure grace, and teach it, you know, this way. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I finished my course. I have kept thee faith, all those teachings. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me at that day, and not to me only. You know, Paul never put himself in all that God taught and was teaching others through him. He never put himself above anybody. He just desired fellowship. That's all. Because he knew himself he needed the protection of the body just as much as any other member did. And not to me only, but to all them also that love is appearing. And we can continue to love it now as he appears through his word. And not receive the preaching and teaching of the word as only of men, but as it is in truth, it is the word of Christ, God himself, which works effectually in you when you have that mindset and that humility to receive it. In 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 13, do your diligence to come shortly unto me. Notice what Paul was saying? I know there's a lot of things that you could get caught up with right now, and they may, may not even be wrong in themselves. But could you, do, could you do me one? Could you do me one? Could you do your diligence to come shortly to me? Can, can you do that first? Can you do that? Because, you know, look not on your own things in Philippians 2.4, but on the things of others. And let that mind be in you in Philippians 2.5. Because all in Philippians 2.21 seek their own things, not the things of Christ, and will attach Christ's name to it to make it okay. What is the reason and the purpose for whatever we do with those that we love to wherever we go? What is the real motive and purpose of it? How about a little oneness? <laughs> you know, we keep saying that. That's interesting. Plenty of conviction, no judgment, no condemnation. Do your diligence to come unto me shortly. Why? What was the reason? He so wanted them to come to him. For Demas has forsaken me. He was a Christian. You don't believe me? I, I'm sorry, i got to go to some more verses again. So we have to turn to Colossians, the fourth chapter, so we get the full context of 2 Timothy 4, verse 10. And uh, I am going to go over, and I really don't even care that I'm doing that. Uh, so uh, Colossians 4, verse 14, he said... And Luke, the beloved official, and Demas greet you. In other words, he, he, was, he was one with him. But how far was Demas one with Paul? How far was Luke in his oneness with Paul? And how far was Demas? Luke never left his side. Never. He ministered to him constantly. 
Where do you think Luke got all the information to write the book of Acts? Who do you think he got that from? He got it from Paul. Where do you think Mark, the Gospel of Mark, where do you think all that information came from? You know who, who Mark's pastor was? Pastor teacher, it was Peter the Apostle. So we know that he was a disciple. You know, in John 6, 63, many of his disciples went back. They, it's not that they weren't born again, they were. It's not that they had a measure of love like Peter had on the shore in John 21, 15 to 17. He had a phileo love, you know, like an affectionate kind of love, you know. And he was, and, and like Christians can do, they make more of their affectionate love for Christ than God's self-sacrificial love agape for them. And that's why charity is nowhere in an, an original translation. It's all, always self-sacrificial love because I can live in the flesh and do charitable things to make me look good. <laughs> oh, it's convicting. I'm laughing because it's extreme conviction for me and it's almost like these things should be coming out of me when I, <laughs> in areas, don't even come close to them. But I do want them. I do by God's grace and his love that actuates his love in me, I do want them. So in 2 Timothy 4, he said, why should you come? I don't know, why would God lead others to come to them? I mean, even first and foremost, to give them the most time. <laughs> think of the time for self and think of the time for the body. It's, and need, too. Do your diligence in 2 Timothy 4.9 to come unto me, for Demas has forsaken me. Why? Having loved this present world. Having loved this present world and has departed unto Thessaloniki. That's how you actually really say it. Cretans to Dalmatia, Titus. Cretans to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. These men were going in the right order where they should go, but not like Demas. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark. You know, if you want to know Mark and the story of Mark, uh, he, he was a nephew of Barnabas. Barnabas was his uncle. You can read that in, in uh, you can see that in Acts 13. And then you can see what happened in Acts the 15th chapter. But then Paul saying, take Mark and bring him with you for he is profitable to me for the ministry. In other words, he had to get right in certain areas. But he had Unky, he had uncle and his, his sentimentality to keep him with him. Husbands, fathers, don't be sentimental with your children. And as pastor teachers, and God's saying to me, Ed, don't be sentimental. Sentimentality is you, Ed, functioning in your flesh, in you, and seeing it in another believer, and you function there. That's sentimentality, okay? And my flesh that's in me that I'm not of is just as evil as the unsaved world. It's just as hostile and hatred of God as any were in an unsafe state and condition. I'm going to wrap it up. For Demas has forsaken me. It's going to be, it's very interesting. He, he's forsaken me. Why? I'm going to tell you why. Look at Demas. Here's what Demas' name means in the Greek. I challenge you to find the meaning of this. I'm just throwing out a little cute little challenge. <laughs> you know what his name meant? Demas? It, Names really reveal character. It meant, it, it meant popular. 
popular, ruler of the people. And Jesus was very popular with the people, wasn't he? And so was the Apostle Paul once, once Christ got a hold of him, wasn't he? He's very popular. He had a lot of friends. He had a lot of support, just like the false support that a, a Christian living in the flesh can receive instead of having loving discipline. Why don't you help them with loving discipline and not help them continue in the path that they've chosen and support them in it? Demas, popular, ruler, ruler of the people. A com- he was a companion of Paul, li- literally, and that's Colossians 4, verse 14. Also, Philemon, verse 24, brings it out, of his, Paul's first Roman imprisonment. But you know what he was known as in the Bible? Know what he was known as? As a believer, one that, that lo- God loves him. Do we know that? Does God love us even when we sin and fail? Yes. But do we love God? Know what he was known as? The man who forsook his friend. At his greatest trial, he forsook him. He was so self-occupied, he forsook him. There's all the excuses the enemy will give, the man of God. Why you can't come and hear the word? Why you can't be one with the body? Why don't, we, why don't you just, look, why don't, let's just say it like it is. No, I like things in the world. Just be honest. You think, and some think that's honesty. Yeah, all these attachments that, that once God delivered me, even while I was here, I'm right back to him again. And now, see, this is who I am. Yeah, that's honesty. That's a show of honesty. It's a show of dishonesty and disobedience. And you no longer even hide it. And don't dare judge me, because I have support of others, too. (laughs) Yeah, I know. They have local assemblies, and they're taught, right? He was a native of Thessaloniki. He was a native of Thessaloniki. Now, how should I understand that? That's where he was from. Paul taught there. It was his first epistles and first... First and second Thessalonians. He, was in a, he taught there in Thessaloniki, a place in Greece. But here's what, he's, here's what is recorded in the Bible about that. The Bereans, in Acts 17, verse 11, these were more noble. They functioned in more of a nobility than those that were in Thessaloniki. Isn't that interesting? In that they received the word. Constantly with all readiness of mind and search the scriptures daily whether these things were so. Those Bereans, I want to be a Berean. I don't want to be a, one of, uh, of the city uh, of Thessaloniki. But here, Demas was a native, was brought up in Thessaloniki. And even still, and even we said it in Philippians 2 and verse 20, and look at it, what it says, Philippians 2. As, we, as, as God has brought this out, and we're going to wrap it up here. Yeah, I know we're, we're all so busy, and you know, we have things to do and all that. So. And we do rightfully, you know, and wrongfully, too. <laughs> all of us. And I include myself in the picture. Philippians 2.20. For I have no man like-minded. Yeah, we're one. Sure, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, okay. 
I have no man, <laughs> God, like-minded who will naturally care for your state. They, just, they don't. They say they do. Yeah, 1 John 3.18, Love not in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. For I have no man, for all seek their own, in 21, not the things that are Christ. Paul, truthfully, when you take all these verses, he continued to teach Demas, and Demas was near him. But he never fully trusted in him because he functioned in areas of the flesh. They were still there, and Paul recognized them. He didn't judge them. He didn't condemn them, but he recognized them. That's the difference between discernment, which is love, entering into prayer for them, and not judgment and accusation and condemnation. Scripture has this against him. Listen to me. The word of God has this against the flesh of Demas that he was functioning in, a one-time disciple, pupil of the Apostle Paul. Has this against him. Has it against him that he forsook Paul for this present evil world. That's what he did. Yeah. Just make sure you help those as much as you can. I tell you, just be aware. <laughs> if you're not going to deal with them right in counsel, then, be, then if you're not going to do that, I, just, I warn you, be aware of them. Okay? Don't be like-minded with them. This guy gives an example. He says, it's amazing how a student of comparative anatomy, naming all the parts of the human body, comparative anatomy can build up a whole unknown structure from one or two known bones. That's interesting. That's what the novice can do. I have enough teaching. I got enough bones. Now I can make me my own man. Yeah, the self-made man will always live in competition with Christ. In the same way, we can sketch the character of Demas from the few references to him in the Bible's portrait gallery. Can you picture him? Picture him, and we're going to close. Picture him. Picture him. This man... He, 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 this man, he had very agreeable ca characters. He didn't have any particularly evil vice. Even the things that he chose, they weren't in harm against anyone. He's a nice guy. He seemed like a fun, nice guy to be around. He was a young guy. He was young, by the way. He was a young guy. He didn't have any particularly evil vice. Even in his outward character, it didn't he seem like, you know, he was, yeah, he struggled with certain things, you know, but he seemed like a nice guy, great guy. But it was deficient all throughout. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. And under the strong influence of Paul's personality, Demas was like a, he was like a soft piece of iron, someone said, temporarily magnetized by the presence of that magnet, that intense personality. And becoming a disciple, he got carried away by the enthusiasm or the emotionalism of this sacrificial life that Paul was living. 
He wanted to live with Paul and die with him at one point, just like those disciples that walked with Christ and went back and walked no more with him in John 6, 66. Listen to those numbers, huh? That's an accident. John 6, 66. Isn't that interesting? You may want to check out, you know, and that's none of us. We won't be participating in, in Revelations, the 13th chapter. But we can function in the spirit of it right now, by the way. Yep. He wanted to. He wanted to live with Paul and die with him, just like I know others at their first arrival. At their first arrival. They wanted to have a throne and a halo among the martyred saints. Man, they wanted that. But as soon as the word began to deal with issues, hidden issues and strongholds, boom, right back to the world. And not and like some, even some around here, not even afraid to show it now. And it better be okay with you because that's the way it is and that's the way they're going to be. Very impressive. Yep. But when Demas came up to the great capital, Rome, of the then known world system in company with the Lord's prisoners, and there were two, there were Paul and Epaphras, it was a different story. It became a whole different story. He was not a prisoner. Demas wasn't a prisoner. And gradually, the contrast, the, there was a contrast between the cell where those that were held prisoners, the world, held prisoners in Christ, but held there in the world and suffering because they preached the word. The contrast of that life and the outer world became intolerable to him. It had such a pull. I think of young people. I'm thinking of a young man in Texas. I'm thinking of a, a very, very young man here in Great Barrington, Massachusetts. Demas saw the, the magnificent halls of the Caesars, the gorgeous homes of the rich, and the glitter of a world of music, venal loves, jest, joking, jest, and wine. Such a Fun world cast its glamour over Demas and he yielded to its charms. He got seduced in 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. He got seduced. And the prison where his friends were languishing seemed wretched alongside the music-haunted, scented, dazzling halls of Rome. Mm, let's go, honey. Let's go. Ah! Take your honey with you where she's needed most, where you're needed most. And knock off all the other stuff. Demas has forsaken me, loving this present evil world. This man of wavering impulse, who surrendered the passion of sacrifice and sank in the swirling waters of the world is a true reflection of the thought that where our love is, there we finally are. That's the treasure. In Matthew 6, verse 21, finally ashamed, I'm not ashamed. It's a Greek word, we'll get into it at a later time. It's a Greek word, it, it, it's incredible in its meaning and we'll have to get into it at a different time because I've gone way over. And I do, and I mean this, I do want to honor and respect the true schedules of those 
that as God leads them, and I do mean that too. So, but we'll get into that word ashamed uh, at a different time. And I don't know if Wednesdays are enough. I don't even I don't even know anymore. But I know God does. So, Father, thank you for this word, even this long time, and thank you for those that were were here to hear it, and those that will. In Jesus' name, Amen.